coming up on another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. Myself, Ian Pulzinski and Cody Ajada were joined by two very special guests from RBTV, Banana and Boz. They joined us on the podcast for a very, very long uh, interview. Um, I think going into it, I think uh, I said um, you know, to the guys and stuff, we'd only really do about half an hour, but uh, we just really deep dived into everything um, surrounding them and their fan channel, but also um, you know, these guys have been involved with the Wanderers since day one so to talk about the club and and what's kind of for the most part been been going wrong at the club um for many years and the, and the lack of engagement with the fan base as well uh the, the guys had some really strong words for the previous uh ceo uh, john satsimas as well so um really interesting to get that perspective but then also talk about this season uh, and you know what, what seems to be a bit more of an optimistic fan base uh, a good start for the wanderers seven points from the first three rounds as well and uh yeah to also just talk about the fan channel and and how well that's been going these guys have really been pumping out the content on rbtv with with you know fan interviews after games and and you know previews and this sort of stuff it's great content uh, as well you can catch them rbtv on twitter instagram and facebook uh, and they're also of course mainly uh, on their youtube channel as well where, where they're doing very well but sensational guests to have on very honest very open and uh, it was a really excellent you know extended interview that uh, I wasn't planning for, but uh, I'm not complaining at all because it's a a lot of great content and uh, I encourage you to listen to the full interview, to be honest. Anyway, after that, uh, it was just me and Cody and uh, we just briefly discussed the Women's World Cup draw and the Matildas group in particular. What does it mean? What does it look like? You know, how should Matildas fans uh, feel about that group going into next year's World Cup. Anyway, massive podcast coming up. Uh, I don't want to take up any more of your time by talking. So once again, I'm your host, Christian Marchetti, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. I'm your host, Christian Marchetti. Joining me tonight from the FPF team, I've got Ian Pulsinski. Ian, how are you? Good, thank you. And Cody Ajada. Cody, how are you? Yes, good. That is good. And we've got... Yeah, that's excellent. And we've got two very, very special guests joining us tonight from RBTV. We've got Boz and Banana. Boys, how are we going? Good, good. What's happening, boys? Not bad, man. All good. Yeah, yeah. Before All we right. start, before we start, I just want to shout out to you guys. That was a great uh, interview you had with Travis Dodd. So that was a good piece. So congratulations on scoring that, and uh, that went pretty good. Thank you, thank you, Boz, for that. Um, yes, uh, really grateful for Travis um, on our most recent podcast as well. Thanks to Ian as well for setting that one up. Excellent work there, and uh, yeah, hopefully. Boz, we can uh, we can make this one just as good, I reckon. Let's do it, man. Let's start. Let's All right. So, I mean, let's let's just get straight into it because you've got, uh, of course, the channel RBTV. It's been it's been running quite a while now, and it's been doing very well. Today, I noticed uh, you hit a thousand followers on Instagram, which is which is pretty awesome as well. Thank and you. Uh, yeah, just doing some more interactive stuff this year. I've noticed with uh, post match, you know, interviews, the stadiums, and and pre match during the week. Uh, 
reactions, all this sort of stuff. I mean, give us a little bit of an insight, uh, you know, either of you uh, into, into, you know, how this channel came about and, and what your plans are for it moving forward and, and basically just, you know, give us the backstory. But no, you go first, man. Oh, it was, it was just, um, you know how we were, we were going, we were going, we weren't going the best, man, for the past couple of years, this and that, you know how it was with us past couple of seasons. And um, it really just came along overnight, man. Me and Stoss one night we were on the PlayStation, you know how it is. When you're married, you get to play PlayStation, you know. And um, we are talking over the over the earphones and all that earpiece. And um, I just said to him, I go, I go, no one's really done like a, like the overseas like versions of the fan TV channels. No one really has one here. Like, I mean, they have different podcasts, but there's not really one that is really dedicated to the team. And again, what do you reckon we should start one? But anything was, I'm not real technical with all the computer stuff and all that, all that, all that other stuff that gets done. Uh, for everyone listening, yeah. Banana, he took he took a while to get his audio set up and and, and uh, connected onto the podcast tonight. There you go, perfect example there. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just I just hit him out the idea of what do you reckon of just going for it, you know? And he was like, he was all for it, you know. And then anyway, I went off to bed. I woke up in the morning, had about 50 messages and photos and everything of like just RBTV, like this channel up, there's a Facebook up. And I was like in panic, man, like, what's going on? What are you doing, bro? Hang on, bro. I don't know what we're doing yet. <laughs> and before you know it, the next day I had um balls and Malter over and we bang, we're here. That's how it all started pretty much. Yeah, I got the I got the call saying, "Listen, Boz, um, what are you thinking about starting a channel?" Now, I, I like talking about football. I can sit and talk about football. I'm more on the technical side. I can sit down, analyze a game, you know, talk about the systems and all that. So, they felt like I could offer that uh, to the channel. Um, so, I, I, you know, I jumped on board. And was there uh, a big was there a big you know recruitment process there? Did you? No, not really. Not like, really. It was just a. Who can we get on? Well, we pulled Malter and we didn't really ask him. We just told him to get his ass here. And we asked Boz, <laughs> obviously. you got to understand, our story didn't start at the start of this channel. We um we go back season one. Like, if you're going to talk about how far back we go, we played a part in, in choosing the colours of, of, the, of the jerseys and the club and the logo. You know, I remember we mentioned this a few times. We sat down at a forum and we were going to be called the West Sydney Rovers. Right, and then obviously we went with the Wanderers, so we were part of the, the the creation of the club. Now the channel only started two years ago, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was a period of you know close to ten years where we, we supported the club and we were very close in terms of the the initial boys in that foundation period. So um, yeah, we we thought, what can we offer? Or what can we what can we do to help this club get out of the get out of the mud? Pretty much because we went, you know, seven, eight years without any any finals appearances, and uh, a lot of fans were were were, were a bit disengaged, um, had really lost interest in the club, were demotivated, and we thought, you know, why can't we use a platform to not only voice, um, you know, what the fans are saying, but also try to bring back the the energy that we've seen in season one and two. So that was a real motivation behind staying the channel. You know, we're not we're not here for the for the you know for the popularity contests. We're here to really um, get behind the club and play our part and, and provide a voice for the fans. So that was a motivation behind the channel. 
And um, sitting here today, mate, it's just blown up. You know, we we had over thirty thousand views in the last twenty or twenty days or something on our YouTube channels. Hit a thousand, uh, you know, followers on Instagram. We've got our Twitter. We've got our Facebook. So it's really popped off. Now the interesting part about this is we we, we thought we would dedicate our channel to the Wanderers. But what's really, you know, taken us by surprise is a lot of our, our viewers are, are supporters of other clubs. Mm. You know, we've got, we've got, you know, people watching from, you know, Melbourne, Perth, Brisbane, um, and everyone just jumped on board because I think we've created something unique in this country. Yes, we've seen a, a platform like this overseas, but within Australia, there wasn't really anything dedicated um, to giving the fans a voice. So, um, you know what? Credit to all the fans in, our, in the league. They've jumped on board. They love it. You know, they obviously give us the, um, the, the, the drive to keep, you know, keep the channel going and, and it just keep uploading new content, you know, and that's, that's what we're seeing this year. We, we thought, how can we offer more to the fans? And, you know, we're doing more interviews. We're going to these fan days. We're interviewing players and we just recently had one over in our first you know, our first first show. So, guys, it's really, you know, it's really taken, um, it's, it's really gone, man. It's really just, you know, just blown up really, really this season. So we're proud of our efforts and I think we've got a long way to go as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just on that, is even the club this year notice, noticing that they're actually trying to engage a bit more with the fans, you know, and reciprocate that with, you know, looking at those events in preseason, of course, um, where you did those interviews with the players and stuff, um, and there seems to be a bit more community engagement um, well, potentially well, from the club. I'll let Banana. Banana, do you want to talk about the um, obviously the relationship with the previous management and obviously what we went through with them? Yeah, going with that, we were saying that with like, getting um, interactive with the with the community and like fans again and all that stuff, man. We've been lacking that for the past maybe good six, seven seasons, man. That, like, I'm, I'm from my view, it was pretty much they thought they had us in their hands. They can do whatever they want, you know. And we're not like that, you know. We're just gonna bend over and take, you know. And people have obviously they've backed off and pissed off from the club, and now that that connection disappeared, you know, it was pretty much, it was, it's, uh, it's very, it was very hard to fix now. And I think the club is doing a fantastic job at trying to rebuild that and get people back to the games. Like, like last week, I don't know if you've noticed, they've done a 20 bucks active support. I think they're doing it this week again, 15 bucks, just little simple stuff like that, just to get people back on board. You know, the last clown that was at the club, man, he, he really, he really, he really drowned us, man. He really drowned us. And I'd like to say that us, with the platform that we built and the people supporting us and whatever we want to, whatever you want to call them, the fans, whatever, this channel was built for – it was for them, really, for them built and to get us back where we were meant to be. So um, I feel like we won a battle this, for the first time in fucking how many years. Got rid of a CEO, got a brand new one who's – willing to dive in the deep end and put his hand out. He's extending his hand to bring the new, bring the old and new fans in. So, yeah. You just on that, just on that, guys, like, if you ask us now, if you ask me, what's, what's your biggest achievement been with this channel, this platform? I would say it was, it was the change of the CEO because we really, really, that was our main priority because you have, you have really disgruntled 
fans. But until those fans are united under the one voice, there's not going to be any uh, movement or any uh, momentum in, in terms of change because this guy was complaining, that guy would complain. This, if it's not in a, in a united voice, it's just swept under the carpet. And that's what we've seen for five, six years where, you know, the, the, the fans were upset, but, you know, if this guy goes on his Facebook, that guy goes on his Instagram and writes up a post, no one hears it. Mm. But now if we provide a, a platform for these guys and we obviously represent our fans and we voice their concerns and their requests and their demands for change, then that creates some momentum. And that's what we did in the last season, uh, last two seasons with, with our previous CEO. We created a really strong, um, you know, drive to have change at the club. And you know what? The, the reaction we got from our fans where they were like, finally, we've got somewhere to obviously unite and um, become the one voice uh, really pushed us even more. And that was our main priority, just to have change at the top of the chain, the top of the leadership. And I think we played a major part in that change. Um, and that's not just our opinion. That's the club telling us, the new board and all that, saying you guys were probably the main driving force behind the, 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 res the resignation of the previous CEO. So I think that's a massive achievement because we knew once we got past that stage that the club will move in a better direction that the next person that will come in will look at the, the past eight, nine years, look, see where we've, where we've gone wrong, see what we've done right and make the right decisions. And we've shown um, coming in, our new CEO, he's obviously identified where we've gone wrong and he's making the changes. And that's and the main thing he's done is fan interaction again because we'll build off the, off the family environment, that, that bond between the club and the, and the fans which was lost for many years. So he's come in with that goal of rebuilding that, that relationship. And mate, like Banana said, he's done an amazing job in the short span, which is, you know, start of pre-season, we're only in round two. He's probably done more in terms of um, fan engagement than the previous mob have in the last seven, eight years. Yeah, just, just touching on what Boz was saying, just to go back a bit, I felt like before the channel was even built, that I felt like the RBB used to try to attack the CEO, but once numbers started to decrease, and this guy obviously knew that they don't, they don't have enough numbers to do it to get rid of me. So that's why I reckon he stayed for that for that for this long until we came along and we really started to bash him and really get get to him at a point. And we actually started to see it like in his face, like before, like nice clean shave and then some interviews you were saying he's all roughed up and I think that's what I'm, I reckon we're the ones that pretty much got to him like I used to get to him before but it wasn't effective but this way where people had a voice they could come in and say what they want it really got to him and I think eyebrows started to get raised even by the owner I'm probably telling man it's time to hit the, he, the, he definitely felt the heat he definitely felt it because um, you could see in some of his interviews when the media started asking him the hard question in terms of the fans, um, he would, his reactions and his answers were, were out of character. So we knew we were getting to him. We knew we, we, you know, we were on the right path. And at the end, he cracked. Uh, he really did crack and he stepped down. And um, we're in a better place because of it now. Well, we, we were getting to him because once we had a podcast that we'd done, uh, I'm pretty sure we um, told people 
to make just make JTL banners, you know. We just said it like that. And come Derby, there was about maybe fucking 10, 15 of them, you know what I mean? And after the Derby, they had an urgent meeting. They gathered all the staff up and whoever was around. And um, they pretty much, I think, letter I was trying to just encourage, like, the people to, to back him because I think he even saw that the back room and everyone was, you know, had enough of this bloke too. But so even you, you, you're saying even people at the club, staff members at the club had actually lost faith in him. You can, you can. Oh, it's pretty sure because he, he, we had a someone he, he recorded what was going on in there when this thing happened because it's never happened ever at the club where they bring it in and someone had to back the CEO up for some reason, you know, for his job and his efforts that he was doing at the club. All right. Oh, like he, don't get me wrong, he probably was doing his job, but he wasn't doing it the right way, man. And, and you got to know when your time's up and you got to go, man. Let someone else do it. We, we have, um, and being obviously here from day one, we, we do have deep ties within the club. So we were always informed and up to date with what's happening inside of the club. Um, you know, what was meant to, kept, meant to be kept in-house, we, we were aware of it. And we were always um, aware of the pressures applied from the fans and what the club was doing. Um, so we knew, we knew coming, you know, the, you know, finding out what was happening in these meetings, we knew the heat was on. We definitely knew. And uh, once we got a sniff of it, we just went a bit harder and kept going harder. And like Banana said, the, the banners were coming out. In one of our podcasts, after you know a loss, we asked our fans to contact the club Monday morning first thing. Their phones were, were being blasted for till till the arbor, and no one could get through because so many people were calling in. So um, so yeah, thankfully you know we, we provide that platform. But if it wasn't for the fans who who um, obviously jumped on board, we would obviously not achieve anything just by having the channel. It was because of the fans jumping on board um, and allowing us to provide that voice for them, we got where we did. With JT, was there any communication at all? Like, obviously, when um, you see it has come in, he's really made an effort to reach out to you guys, even speak to I think you guys did have an interview with him, if I'm not mistaken. Did JT ever have any form of interaction with you, whether it be positive or negative, or was it just complete radio silence from his end? He, we, I could say before when I was more involved with the RBB, when we used to go down to have meetings with them, and it would be just the usual start of the season, have a meeting, blah, blah, blah. It was pretty much all just all the same, just the same thing, a couple of different words added, and that's about it. But after, like, shit would happen at the stadium, something would go off and then we would go try to fight whatever happened, like get some backup from them, you know, whatever. Nothing would happen. So it would just deteriorate and the bridge would get burnt and it was it was very, very hard to like get any kind of response from them. And and then we got to, there was points where we had enough, like don't even need, we don't even want to talk to you anymore, you know what I mean? It was, we, were, we weren't on talk, talking terms. No one was on talk, talking terms. Yeah. Also, it's very important to, to understand what kind of character JT was. You've got to understand his background. He's a lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when you sit down with him, usually with, with someone who's really genuinely trying to help you, you feel that warmth, right? We never got that from JT. It was always cold. It was always firm responses. He always tried to make it out like he's the boss. It's his way. 
you know, or obviously ordering and demanding and all that. So we never had that connection with him. you got to understand, before him, we had Sean. Um, Banana, if you remember Sean, he went to Central Coast Mariners. Yeah? yeah. Sean Millican, yeah. Yeah, every game he would come to the bay. He would talk to us. He would, you know, hear us out. And then when JT came, JT wouldn't get out of his box. I don't remember JT ever coming in the seven, whatever, six, seven years. He came to the stands and came to meet us. So why, um, Boz, sorry, yeah. sorry to cut you off. Why yeah. do you think, because the fans and the RBB and all that, that's what made this club just explode really in the first couple of years. So why do you think he came Christian, in and... You know that. You know, I know that. Yeah. All the fans know that. JT didn't know that. He does not, for me, he did not have the background and the experience, mm. right, to, to understand that the fans run this club. He just didn't, he did not understand the blueprint needed let, to succeed. Let no. me remind some people, if you don't know, this guy, once upon a time, set up a, a fan forum just out of the blue to try and pretty much just shut down the RBB and start a whole new group. Yeah. This guy, this mm. bloke, yeah. you know what I mean? So, so that can just tell you what kind of person he is. Yeah? He did not give a shit about us. I don't think he ever did. From just wanted to boot us to the side and start a new group, and we weren't, we weren't having that, you know. Mm. I'm gonna take shit from this clown, but well, anyway, he's gone now. Yeah, look, you gotta understand, you gotta understand how huge that is to try to end your main, you know, active support group mm. to bring an end to them that have been there from day one. You gotta understand what kind of person he is to even consider that, you know, mm. the, 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 the fans that. That brought the club where 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 it is now, or where it was when he came in. How could you even fathom, or how could you even dare to consider that we end this active support and try to start a new one? Like it's just rep- that's representative of who he was as a person, and obviously our cries for many years fell to death ears. Um, so we really started a, a you know a campaign this last couple of seasons, and obviously we've seen the fruits of that. Of those efforts, uh, at the obviously towards the end of last season. It's Almost interesting that you mentioned that. Cause... Sorry, Cody. Yep, yep. Now you go. Like it's unfathomable to think about, considering like you're talking how big the Wanderers, the RBB is just within the Wanderers, but it's a massive aspect of the A League as a whole as well. So to take that away from the league, I'm surprised even maybe the APL when they hear that would try and step in and say, look, well, the maybe... FA, yeah, at the time would have been the FA, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, like. And that's, I don't know, that's not fathom more to think about. That's right. Now, no. Cody, that's that's the disappointing part now. Obviously, from the outside, everyone's saying, oh, these guys, uh, when the Wanderers aren't successful, they're all bandwagon supporters. But no one knows the struggle we went through, right? Each and every single season, we did not make the top six for the last six, seven seasons. Think about it. And we had to deal with this CEO, and it just became very exa- exhausting. Very, you know, we were all deteriorated by the end of it. Um, and no one understood the real struggle that was happening behind closed doors. So, all right, our numbers dropped. But I, I personally believe if any, I'd say majority of the clubs in this league, if they went through the battles we did, they would have zero active supports today. Mm. I, I really, I, I stand on that. Maybe your Melbourne, your Sydney victories, your, your, your bigger clubs might have survived. But the rest, I don't think, would have survived uh, in terms of active support. Interesting that you mentioned active support because 
Uh, I remember we did a piece uh, which you can actually find on frontpagefootball.net as well. Uh, one of our writers, Matt Olson, around around active support at the start of this year and how important it is for the APL to engage active support from, from their side of things as well. Just give us some insight because for the Wanderers, it's obviously hugely important, but even you know, around the league, there's some other important groups. You know, you've got obviously the Cove, you've got uh, North Terrace, you know, all these other groups. How important is that for the league as a whole, not just those groups for their individual clubs, but to have active support thriving in this league? It's very important. It's very important to have all these, every club should be booming in the active support area, you know. That's like an attraction for the league. We have something special our code has from any other league, you know what I mean? Like, you can go to NRL games, you can go to, I don't know, AFL games, they got big crowds, but they, they just don't have what we have. You know what I mean? You can, you got people going crazy, full time could be nil all, but someone else might be saying, What's going on here? You know, what are they going crazy for? You don't get this in other leagues, you know, other, other, other leagues would love to have what we have, just that. Football in this country is not regarded as a, you know, heavy artillery sport, you know, like the rest. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Also, just, uh, Boz, because you went into, obviously, the, the off-field stuff with JT and, and what went wrong, but how much do you think under his, you know, with him as CEO as well, the, the on-field stuff, not making finals all those years, did the off-field stuff affect what was happening on the pitch? Did you think that maybe... Obviously, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that, you know, obviously... To, to bring in, look, like I, look, like I said from the start, we were here from day one. You will have your foundation group there along the whole way. But you need to understand, majority of fans have jumped on board due to the success of our early period, right? Now, it's, we can't sit here and say success, on-field success does not bring the fans in. That's a given. So, obviously, uh, with the, the period of six years without making finals and, and that unsuccessful route, um, obviously, did lead to us losing a lot of numbers in terms of memberships and all that. So, I do believe you need on-field success to achieve, you know, obviously, high, high gate numbers, and we didn't have that. And, um, obviously, that's hopefully going to change this season. Mm. Yeah, well... Funny you mentioned that because we'll look a little bit more to, to what's happening now. So a really good start uh, to this season with with two wins um, and and a draw uh, over the first three rounds. So new coach as well. Obviously, Marco Rudin was in there towards the end of last season, but he's really now had a preseason to, to really kind of shape the squad. Big signings, Milos Ninkovic, Marcelo, uh, Krupic up front. You know, there's some there's some kind of big deals happening there. So get, just give us your thoughts on, on what's happening so far this season. Is it you know, too early to kind of, you know, think about big things or, or you know, is it um, just a case of staying the course for now? Banana, you can go. Well, big changes happen in the club. Obviously, we bring in fucking, just saying Milos Ninkovic at our club, man. Where would you ever think about saying that in your what, life? What was your reaction, both of you, when, when you saw that? Because I know just, just everyone, non-Sydney or Western Sydney fans were just kind of shocked as well. But being a part of that on, you know... Ha- really hating him for so many years and then he joins your club, you know. I'm not a... It, oh, it's... I, it, it's I, I, I don't know. Like, when I heard it, I was like, what? Because like, we heard it, like, pretty much from the horse's mouth, you know, at the club, that he's, it's it's a done deal. It's 
It's done. It, he's at our club. He's signed. He's just on holiday waiting to come back now. So now, like, hearing that and, like, you have to accept now, like, he's, he's, in, our, he's, he's in our jersey now. You know what I mean? Like, he, he was at Sydney FC. He won so many trophies with them. He did, you know, bag a few goals against us, cost us a lot of money sometimes. And, um, yeah, so meeting him for the first time when we went to that place for the meet and greet with him, I changed my mind. I swallowed my pride and bloody accepted him now, you know. He's, he's one of ours and that's it. The, the yeah, issue, both, you go. The, the, the issue with me is I'm, I'm, I look at it more in terms of football. Mm. And obviously watching him over the last few seasons, I've seen a decline in his performance. So my issue was his age. I didn't think he could offer... Uh, what he's offered in his previous clubs. I, I honestly, I'll say it right now. I thought this was his, um, you know, his last proper check, and he's going to get the money and run. Mm. But then we found out that obviously he's he's also accepted uh, in his contract as a coaching role post career. Mm. Um, and then I started, I started saying, all right, maybe he's here for the right reasons, not just for the financial reasons, um, because obviously they had a contract contractual disputes at Sydney FC and Wanderers gave him what he wanted. So at first you initially think, all right, he's coming for, for the money. But as you start learning about the deal and and start speaking to him, you know he's, he's here for, for the right reasons. And what I thought, I thought his age was a reason of his decline in the last couple of seasons. But what we're starting to see is maybe he lacked a bit of motivation there because he's got that spark back. And we're seeing that in his performances. We went to a trial game against Newcastle uh, around a month ago, and he came in on he came in at half time, and he completely changed the game. And if, if you ask, if I didn't know him, and, and someone asked me how old do you think it is, I would have said he looked 28, 29. You know, um, so he's he's got that spark back, um, and I'm really happy now because his his heart is in the right place. You can tell he really wants to be successful at the Wanderers. Um, and he's really putting a big effort into achieving that, and that's all we can ask for as fans, really. Yeah, could you say it's about how he's been deployed as well? We saw at Sydney FC he was used more often as a wide player, where probably his physicality would be a bit more show in that area. But at the Wanderers, it's a system not too dissimilar to what he would have played under Croker last year. But he's been more deployed in a second striker role, playing a little bit more off. Yeah. So Cody, what, what you think the- that's Helping. Yeah, what Sydney was playing is they played obviously they were playing the four triple two, mm. and the, the the two the two tens were inverted wingers or the two seven elevens would come in mm. create the space for the two and fives your left back and your right back to take up that space. So he was he was usually uh, working around the corner of the edge of the box, whereas now we're playing a four four one one kind of role where he's more in a central role, and I think he's really enjoying that at the moment and. I think that's that his his relationship with Kupic obviously is going to get stronger, and I think we're still we still got the be- he's still got the best of him to show us. Yeah. Is, I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. Mm, mm, absolutely. So, realistically, how, how long do you think you guys can keep up the unbeaten run and and you know potentially obviously make finals and and who knows about this season expectations wise? If you ask Banana, we're champions already. Yeah. No, not champions already. <laughs> I'd like to be champions, but, you know, it takes time, you know. It's a slow build. It's a very slow build, but we're building something. We're heading in the right direction. Rudin's got us going forward, you know. Signings are coming in, good good signings. 
with Dinkovic, with uh, Kirpic, with Yangi, with Yeni, with um, Basello as well, man. It's a big changes at the club. Bozanic, Bozanic is another player I wanted. He's at, finally at the club, but it looks like he can't get a run in the team because I'm um, one of your, who, I don't know, what, what team, I don't know what team you guys support in the A-League. Well, I, well we're, I'm from I'm from SA, so I'm not... You're Adelaide, yeah? Yeah, Not I really. Guess, yeah, yeah. So, um, and then... Ian, Ian, I don't know. Cody reckons he's an Adelaide fan as well, which has been a bit of a running joke on this podcast. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. He looks like a bit of really the red cheeks. Yeah, I can see the red cheeks on you, Cody. Oh, actually, I'm from Western Sydney. Um, I'm, I've seen you guys in the Gaslight Stadium plenty of times. Actually, my family's all wanted since they kind of jumped on the bandwagon in the moment. Um, they came into the league. I was an Adelaide fan from before that, and I wasn't really interested in changing. Um, but That's fair nothing wrong with look, that. I'm at Wanderers games. Probably more often than not, actually, but I do enjoy it. So, always a chance to like football. Come say hi next time, Cody. Now, what party is that? Um, after every game, I see you guys setting up. My family is trying to get do a fan interview, Cody. Oh, wait, you gotta jump on the interview, mate. Yeah, jump on, Cody, man. Return the favor. Absolutely, fair enough. Give us a plug. Um, Come on, next game, I'll be able to be the Mariners one. I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Heads up if anyone's going to the Mariners game. Um, Pretty sure there's going to be a march. They're going to set up a march, apparently. I've been hearing rumors. Hopefully, it gets approved. Yeah. Shouldn't be a problem. Saturday night, I'm pretty sure it is 745 of that game. Should there you go. Sweet. Heard it here first. Heard it here first. The march. Hopefully, uh, hopefully going to be approved. Um, Boz, I'll just, I'll just ask you as well, just because yeah. I'm uh, here from SA and obviously Cassini Yankees joined the Wanderers this season. Now, I've noticed the first few games have been used wide off the left, which has been interesting because he obviously played up front. And uh, plays a nine for pretty much his whole Adelaide career. What what do you think of the way he's being used at the moment? I think it's it's, it's a temporary move to Yeni, our French winger, returns mm. from his hamstring injury. So I think it's not a permanent move, and I don't think um, uh, Mark Rudin had those intentions from the start. What we lack, unfortunately, if you were to ask me, what area we're lacking at the moment, it's the depth. We don't have much depth at the club. Um, you look at our bench. It's not really um, experienced. So as soon as we get a couple injuries, I think we are going to be tested. Um, and we're already seeing that now. you got obviously Yang is obviously trying his, his, his ass off uh, on the wing there. You can tell he's not a natural winger. He, you know, it's, it's a makeshift position. Um, so I don't think it's there long term. I think as soon as Yang is back, our French import, I think he's going to maybe... Either start in the nine or get pushed to the to the bench. Yeah, and another man from Sydney FC as well, who's been doing really well, Callum Newanoff. Um, banana, 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 banana. I know he fucking loves him because I saw. Yeah, you know, um, I saw his praise of Callum Newanoff on the channel. Uh, just, just, what do you think of him so far? Because he has been. I thought in the Melbourne Victory game in particular, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. In that game well, too, um, not just that game. Just, you know, just open up, wax lyrical about you know your favorite player at the moment. Well, he is. Well, I, like I said before, I really wanted I wanted um, Oliver Bazanic at the club because I thought he was going to be a real steal in the middle. You know what I mean? And mm. when we signed Nuenov, no, I mean, we didn't. Let's be honest, we never really talked about it. You know, we like, I knew we I knew from past when he played at Sydney FC, he was a decent player. You know what I mean? And since uh, Bozanic has been out with his calf, I'm not sure how long he's got left to come back, but Nguyenhoff has um, come in and, mate, he's took me by surprise, mate. I, I, like, even the first game, I took notice. Even when we saw the team sheet, round one, 
saw his name. I was like, oh, what's going on here? We might struggle a bit. Not, I haven't seen this. I haven't seen him playing for I don't know how many years. And he's come back signed for us. And he's took, he's took his chance and he's grabbed it by the throne. And he's absolutely killed it in the first game. And Brown two against Melbourne Victory. Wow, man. He had me going unbelievable. I, I'm pretty sure I can yell that to him after the game. I say, you're giving me your jersey. And he goes, I give you my home one. So I'm looking, going to be attacking him tomorrow for the home jersey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's um, yeah, it's insane. Just hopefully we can keep him fit and all that. And Boz was talking about depth. I'm just, our depth of the team is, I think it's a little bit, they're sidelined a bit. You've got Bazanic, you've got Beedlin, you've got Yeni. Those are still another free players to come in. That's another free place you can't shove into the team. You can't shove all these players in. You're going to have some of them on the bench. So later down the line, hopefully they get their run. I still haven't seen Beatley. I want to see what Beatley can offer, you know what I mean? Mm. But for the time being, man, it's very hard. Like even if um, Bazanic comes back, it's very hard to take Nguyen off out, out of the team. Because I mean, he's been a gun of a player. All right, we didn't have the best game round three because I think we've come off round two of the hype. And now, you know, a little bit of pressure on the team, you know, home supporters at the game, a little bit of pressure. And then, whatever, we should have, we should have probably lost that game. But anyway, yeah. But yeah, and you're not. Well, just, yeah, yeah. You know, one player I've been really impressed with as well is Gabby Kleur down the right back row. Uh, I think that that's been just a really, at first, you know, I follow Australian football in the A League as well. And Gabby Kleur, I never really heard of him, to be honest. And to start, I, I didn't know he was going to be a starter. And to perform, you know, back-to-back clean sheets against, um, sorry, Perth Glory, Victory, and he got, you know, the most fantasy points as well. So he's obviously doing a lot of contribution. How have you guys mm-hmm. rated uh, Gabby Kler's time at the Wanderers so far? He he stood out to me. Like, he'd done all right the first game, but he really stepped up at the Mel Victory game. He, he literally pocketed Nani, like, the whole game, like, to the point Nani had to switch sides to get away from him. And it didn't help that he switched sides to Adama over there, so that didn't help him much. That's why he got subbed, I reckon. Yeah. Um, also, so another player that I want to touch on, Jared Carluccio, um, because he's been very active uh, with the fans and engaging with the fans and yourselves as well. Um, how, how did that come about? How did you get him to kind of basically you know, be on board with what you're doing and, and be kind of like a voice of the players on the channel and, and this, this sort of thing. With him, with him, we're, we're always, we're always in touch with most of the players, you know, in the team, yeah. you know what I mean? And um, when we were at the, I'm pretty sure it was the Newcastle, the friendly game. And um, we're driving home and I think Maltese was still hanging around. And then Stoss asking me, is you reckon you can get Colucci's number? Even though we were talking to him on like on Instagram and all that. And, I think Malta ran into his old old man, and his old man was saying how he watches the show and all that. And then we told him, while you're there, get his number. So we'll see if he can come on. And that's pretty much how it happened. So he's a Western Sydney number. boy, isn't he, as well, right? Yeah, he's a Western yeah. Sydney boy. I think Toon Gabby, fucking, or somewhere he's grown up over there. I'm pretty sure from memory what he said. Oh, uh, no, Can't Hill. Can't Hill, sorry. I was going to say, he's close to the Liverpool area, isn't he? Yeah, Can't yeah. Hill. Can't Hill. Who was he playing at? Kemp's Creek, did he say, when he was younger? Something like that. Yeah, Kemp's Creek. Coaching yeah. the Premier League side too at one stage. Yeah, well, I, I think he still is. From what he said last time, I'm pretty sure he's, he still is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you touch on the depth as well because just having a look at the Brisbane game, I mean, you mentioned the three guys who are out at the moment, but you still got, I mean, Margush has been a decent keeper when he was starting and then, you know, he's still back up now, which is pretty decent. Rami Nazarene started a lot of games last year, but now he's, I guess, an option off the bench. And then you've got 
Ruan Tonyak, who's a bit of a, a mystery and a bit of an enigma in terms of what's happened to him over the last 12 months. Uh, there were some some kind of known issues uh, behind the scenes with the Mariners, but to, to pick him up and then have him as an option as a as a backup centre-back is not too bad either. So, I mean, it's it's not too bad maybe depth-wise, but uh, for sure you're looking to get those three guys back. Um, also, I mean, Lawrence Thomas in goal, uh, Marcelo and, and Tommy Michella look like they're forming a pretty good partnership as well. So, you know, it's spine of the team in particular is looking pretty good. Sorry, um, sorry guys, just to interrupt uh, with Christian talking about Marcelo, I just want to get your thoughts mm. on him because, you know, it's his first season down under. He's got that pedigree of European football playing in the Champions League, Europa League, and it's his first, I think, yeah, it's his first season uh, down under. And obviously the interview, I saw that as well. He meant well. Um, he really has an ambition to play. But just for those fans that haven't seen the interview or whatever, how's he been received his opinion at the club how's he is he enjoying the um, lifestyle yeah is he is he enjoying the leadership role how how is he um, sorry sorry ian also just on marcelo as well like just how emotional we seem to be getting as well about like the responsibility of of being captain and stuff i mean for for fans as well like you guys that must have been pretty cool to see a foreign player you know be pointing captain to your club and actually really take pride in it yeah look I'll, i'll answer this one I've known, I've been watching Marcelo for probably the last six, seven years. Uh, me, I'm being, you know, being Turkish, I follow the Turkish uh, Super League real closely. So I first seen him when he um, signed for Besiktas, which is one of the big, uh, big Istanbul clubs. Now they went through, I think they went six or seven years without winning the championship. I think it was his second and his third seasons at, at Besiktas. He won the title for them. And he played a major role in, in, in those titles. So from my conversations with him, he, he's told me that he has a proven track record where he goes to clubs and knows how to turn things around. And that was his motivation coming here as well. He was well aware of the challenge. He was well aware of uh, the, the, the many years of disappointment. And that's what I think uh, you know, got him that captaincy role was he was ready to, to fight. He was ready to change things and, and change the, the narrative. Um, and he's really taken that on board. Like, you know, I, I messaged him. I messaged him in Melbourne before the game and he was really, really focused. He, knew, he knows what needs to be done to not only obviously succeed on the field, but to bring the fans back. And it's those big games like Melbourne victory in Melbourne is what's going to start bringing these fans back to our games. And that was his motivation, that game. And you could just see the way he, you know, played, not only played, that scuffle at the end, you know, you could just tell he was there for the boys and he was there to fight in whatever means, not, <laughs> not physically, but to stand up for the boys. And I think, you know, Banana for many years has been saying that, you know, that we need leaders in this team to stand up and show a bit of aggression. And I think we found the perfect candidate for that role. Yeah, yeah. And just so away from, I guess, the playing side, back to the off-field stuff and, and the fan channel. I mean, we, we spoke just about like active support and stuff, but but fan channels as well. I mean, you, you guys kind of touched on it already, but... Do you think, you know, would you like to see other clubs potentially do this as well? And, Absolutely. And, yeah, I mean, course. it does seem like a great avenue to, to voice. I would, love, I would love to tune in and watch, you know, obviously fan channels of other clubs. Mm. And um, I think we, we're lacking in that in terms of, you know, the, the fans, fans out there and um, someone obviously within the active support to kind of step up and initiate 
channels like our ones, but I would love to, and I invite anyone that's listening here, guys, if you can get a couple of your boys and just start off, it's not going to happen overnight, but it will, it will get some, you know, traction as you go along. And I, I really do hope that real soon we see other clubs obviously taking the, taking the lead there. And I have to ask this, were you inspired by AFTV? Was that the main inspiration? Good um, I wouldn't say really inspired. I've, I've watched that over the years and all that, you know, yeah. when, it really, when it really got popular with fucking with um, DT and Troops and all them. So and, I'm, try, um, I'm trying to wonder, so who's like, you know, have we got like a DT, have we got a Troops, have we got, you know, a tie and a claw? Oh, you, you argue we, let's, let's, not, let's not hope we have a DT on there. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was. I don't know. It wasn't really inspiring. It was just we didn't have a like. There's no. There was no voice. There's. There's nothing like this here. And I go. We, let's get something started. Let's. Let's take. Let's take a dive. Whatever happens, happens. Let's see how long it lasts. And we've been lasting now. It's almost coming to three years. Going to be now when this season ends. And um, yeah, it's been a blast so far to do it. You know, uh, like we had guys before. We, I don't know if you've had watched our show. We had Migs on before. He had the idea years back to do it. But I don't know. Apparently, back then, when all when all the women were very big before, apparently the guys weren't too keen on having the cameras around and recording people. Now it's that 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 hot air balloon has popped and it's all gone. And there you go. We've me, Boz, and Stoss. We grabbed the chance at it in Malta um, to do it. And like you said before, let, let's hope other other clubs can do. It. Let's let's hope um other teams we can see other teams doing the same thing as well. You know. Take the dive. Don't be scared. Whatever happens, happens. You know what I mean? Mm. It's, got a, it's, a, it's a slow build. It's not like a massive build. Not many people knew we were around. You know, we weren't everywhere and we weren't popular straight away. Well, we're still not, wouldn't say we're massive, but we're there. We, we have our own little thing going. I, um, I, I, I want to emphasize this. If, if you're going to do something like this, you need to do it for the right, with the right intentions. If, you, if you're going to go out there trying to get your face out there, it's, it, you're not doing it for the right reasons. If you're going to do it to support the club and provide a voice for your for the fans, then you, you obviously that will get a bit of momentum and traction because people, viewers, can see that you are genuine in, in what you're trying to do there. So I think from day one, we had the right intention. The, the blueprint maybe did come from you know, other channels overseas, but we kind of obviously moulded into our own thing here. Um, uh, obviously, being in Australia, things are a bit different. But I think um, we started with the right intentions. We were there for the fans. That was our main priority to provide that pl- platform and that voice. And I think that's why so many fans have jumped on board because they know we're here to, to, to voice voice their, their their concerns or some. You know, these these days it's a lot of satisfaction. It's a lot of happiness as well. When people got to understand, we're not just here for the shitty days. Man, I hope we we, have, we go the whole year undefeated and we come on each week and and boast about our team. Um, so I think I think that's what has really um, connected with the fans that we're here for the right reasons, guys. Absolutely, and and um, sorry, yeah, Chris, Ian, yeah. can I just uh, um, ask the RBTV lads? So, for example, we mentioned this earlier: Twitter, Facebook. When you write those on comments or on posts, they're club doesn't really care like jt wouldn't give a wouldn't give a fuck to be honest let's be honest um but you know you have your own channel you can, you can filter your own content but i've just got a question were you ever warned by the club to stop was it ever an issue an internal issue at the club did you get a warning 
because for example AFTV in in England they actually got warnings by Arsenal Football Club to change the name because it was some like you know didn't represent the club but did you ever get any warnings from anyone at the club anyone hired to say stop guys filter this out like censorship or it was just it never really caught up the attention no it's never happened never never got a email never a message I don't think they, they don't even follow us on Instagram or Facebook. I mean, Twitter is the only lucky one that's got to follow. But um, they, they, they're very aware, well aware of us, you know. I, I, I think the stadium think we're going to get the hype that we've got, you know, to get the reaction out of the club that, we, that we've got so far. But they, they're happy. They're happy. Like, they, they know about us. Like, everyone knows about us. CEO knows about us. He hasn't said anything about it. Like, tell us I, to do anything. Even, Banana, if, does, Banana, even if he does, about- I'm not going to change nothing. I think it's talking about JT days when we're pumping the. Yeah, 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 I know, but no one, no one's ever, no one's ever said anything. Like, I don't think, I, I don't think they would. I think they knew. I think they knew that even if they gave us that, we were not going to stop. Yeah, yeah. We were not going to stop. There was nothing because we knew what we had to do. We knew the task ahead, and we knew that nothing was going to stand in the way. A warning letter, any threats, anything like that. If it ever came our way, it was going to be completely disregarded. Now, um, we did know that they were aware of us and I, I know someone who told me that JT thought we were a bunch of clowns, right, and that we were no threat to him. And obviously, the, the people we are, when you hear that, it's like, all right, we're rolling our sleeves up now. It's game on. Like, you want to you wanna look down on us, you know, trying to provide a platform for our fans. If you're going to look down on it and frown upon the channel, then we're really going to push you out of here. And that was our driving force, and like, and, and we got it done. We got it done. And also, guys, just wanted to ask, um, Scott Scott Hudson's come in as the new CEO of the club. Um, and obviously, I've seen the photos on social media. He he brought everyone. I think he shouted beers in Melbourne, and <laughs> during and during the interview as well, he seemed like a really articulate guy. And he, I mean, he gave it away, as you said, um, Boz, earlier that you can tell sometimes when the person's that helpful, that bubbly, and wants to really help out. Um, what impression does Scott give? And also, how's he been so far this time at the club? How's he been, you know, has he been very welcoming? How's it been? Yeah, every, everyone needs to be, uh, I don't know if everyone's aware of it, but Scott Hudson's been here since day one. So he started in the marketing team when uh, in, in season one. So he's seen the, 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 the highs and the lows of this club. Now, when you're, when you're in, in an organisation where you've, you know, under different management and you've seen the highs on the one manager, then you've seen the lows of another management, it's very easy to identify what's gone wrong and what changes need to be made. And being a very intelligent and smart person, obviously Scott's um, analysed the running of the club for the last few seasons and he knew what had to be done. And the first, his first priority was fan engagement. And like, like, Banana, well, like you said, Ian, he, he even came to our pub in Melbourne and bought us a round of drinks. And it, it's, it's a gesture. It's, it, it's a gesture for us. Just seeing him there, it might take five minutes or ten minutes of his time, but that shows us and the fans that he cares about us and he actually wants to, wants to see us succeed and support the club. And like Banana mentioned at the start, it was 20, the active tickets last week were $20. This week, they're $15. So he's always looking, looking to do you know the, the next best thing for us. And um, mate, I love him. I, I hope he's here for the long run. 
Um, and the back, the work behind the scenes is obviously translating onto the on-field success as well. Three rounds undefeated, seven points from three games. I'd take that any day. Yeah. And the final question from me, I mean, we briefly mentioned it before. You guys have been here from the start, right? And this club really exploded onto the scene and it was almost like a, a prime expansion candidate, right, when, when it happened. I mean, why do you think it actually took a while for, for Western Sydney to have their own team in the A-League and, and when, when the football community there is so big and, you know, it was just so ready to explode and, and the crowds that you got at the start at, uh, at Parramatta Stadium in particular? Banana, you can do this. I'm not too sure why it took so long for the for it to happen, you know. And like, I mean, I guess they had to get teams in to get, I don't know, the league going. And probably they just jumped that. Keep keep it simple. Keep one team in Sydney, um, Central Coast, Newcastle, Melbourne. You know, because what was there back then? There was only one Melbourne team. Am I right? One Melbourne team, one Sydney yeah. team. Yeah, just I think they just wanted to establish everything. And well, it would have been on. so by the time by the time obviously the Wanderers came in Melbourne Melbourne Heart they were known of course then they would have yeah, been for, for a few years at that point. But yeah, yeah. So I'm guessing they were testing the waters there, and then um, they they were stupid. All right, it did take them a bit long to get us into the league, but once they got us, I think they were probably kicking themselves saying, "Bloody hell, why didn't we do this before? Mm. What were we waiting for?" Um, I just got a question, guys. Um, be honest. You know, there's no filter here or a censorship. What do you think <laughs> of the new, like, obviously, MacArthur FC uh, in the A-League? Um, what did you think of the decision of the uh, FA, sorry, at the time? Do you reckon it was a right decision? I know you're obviously rival fans, but if you have to put your neutral cap on, do you think it's the right decision or not? No, really? I don't. As a neutral, I don't. You can't put you can't put two clubs in, in a small demographic area like West Sydney. And you've got to understand that West Sydney people are very loyal, right? A lot of our fans either had no went to a Sydney FC game, and I'll talk on my behalf, and didn't feel that connection, and just did not support any teams, or just chose not to support any team in the A League and, and stick with the MPL. So we're very loyal people. Now you can't come in after so many years in West Sydney um, and try to get fans to, because you're not going to get fans from the East. You're not going to get fans from the South. The only fans you're getting are from the West. And these, these guys have been supporting Wanderers for the last 10 years. Now, what are you expecting from them to, to wake up one morning and say, oh, I'm going for a new franchise or a new club? It doesn't work. And, that, and we're seeing that with the numbers, obviously. Um, what were the numbers between... I know it was an away game, but what was the numbers between Western United and MacArthur? Yeah, it was about 2,400 was the there crowd. You go. That's, that's mm. ridiculous. I think MacArthur That's embarrassing. 3, if I'm right, or 4,000. Yeah. I think it was about 3,000 something for the Adelaide United it, game. Yeah. It is silly. There are some teams that I just, I just don't feel they should, they should not be in the league. There should be other teams, ex-NSL clubs that should be in the league. You know what I mean? Well, but it's interesting because... I know when MacArthur came in, there was talk about Wollongong. Would you think Wollongong absolutely. maybe would have a bit more of a fan base? Or absolutely. Wollongong would have absolutely had an easy minimum of strong crowd of 7,500 average edge game. Mm. I absolutely reckon that. But the problem was when, when this all happened, I remember we had a, actually had a meeting with old mate JT and all that. And when this, I'm pretty sure it was the FFA um, O'Rourke. I think he's still around, isn't he? Yeah, O'Rourke. yeah, Craig O'Rourke. Yeah, yeah, at the time. And... um. He asked us, he goes, what do you guys reckon of another MacArthur team and West United, I think it was at the time when he said it. 
I think they came in one and after each other, I'm pretty sure, something yeah. like that it was. Yeah. And um, I've told him straight to his face, I go, that is an absolutely stupid idea. I said, why can't we get, why Why isn't Wollongong in the league or South Melbourne? And I'm pretty sure that at the time he said, um, Wollongong didn't have the um, financial debt to come into the league. Mm. They were offered there, they were thrown a, the bone, but no bite on the bone, you know what I mean? Mm. South Melbourne, I can't remember what the situation was then, but yeah. This is just teams that I, I just reckon that would, would, would benefit the league. Guys, we've seen Sydney United in the, in the Australian Cup final. They pulled in more fans in that one game than MacArthur would ever pull, right? Because they've got an established fan base. And what we believe is clubs like this that have been around for much longer than these new franchise or new, new clubs could offer more than a startup team, it, 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 especially in West Sydney. Like, it just did not make sense. Still doesn't make sense. We're seeing that with the, the gate numbers. I don't believe, I think it's going to be another uh, North Queensland Fury experiment. I really do because I can't see their, them having a return on the investment. Where, where, where are you going to get your, you know, they've got all this backing, but eventually these, these guys that, that have pumped all this money into the club are going to turn around and say, well, where's my return on my investment? Well, if you're going to draw 3,000 people to a game, you're not really going to get much return, are you? Hmm. So I think the guys who backed this project weren't aware of what they were really got, you know, getting into. They, they, they put their, you know, obviously they, 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 they took their checkbook out and someone obviously told them a really, really exciting um, plan. But I don't think it's going to eventuate. I don't think um, they're going to last too long. I'll give them another two, three seasons max, to be honest, because you can't survive with 3,000 fans. I can't see them draw fans from any other club, you know. Like, it's not going to come out from the West. I can't see... Like I said, we're very loyal fans. We might not rock up to games. But we're not definitely not going to wear another club's jersey tomorrow, right? Um, so I, I see it as a very, I see it as a failing project, to be honest. Mm. Unfortunately, unfortunately, because we do want to see the growth of our league, we do want to see more clubs, we do want to see more fans. I just think the effort and the money that was put into Macarthur Rams would have been would have been much more sufficient in another location like Wollongong. Yeah. It's interesting because when MacArthur were introduced into the league, the area that they were meant to cover wasn't necessarily just that MacArthur, Campbelltown, Camden region. They were also meant to kind of come up into the other parts of southwest Sydney, like the Liverpool Fairfield area. That's where I'm from, the Fairfield area. Bro, you're not getting. Wanted to have a stronghold on that, <laughs> Cody. You're not getting a MacArthur fan out of Liverpool Fairfield, dude. Exactly. Like, even though they're basically like they're at the showground, they train there. Like I grew up in Fairfield. I went to school close to Liverpool Way. Wanderers have a massive stronghold. It's probably the one area, I've said this to many people, it's probably the one area in Sydney, maybe in Australia, where football is the dominant sport in that region. Yeah. And Wanderers are the dominant sporting club. Yeah, mm. absolutely. That's like that's like going to, to uh, what do I want to say? I don't know, going to Paddington and try to get Sydney FC fans to come to support Western Sydney Wanderers. Mm. You might have better luck doing that. Not Fairfield, not Liverpool, dude. Majority of our fans are from those areas, you know. We've got a stronghold. We've planted the flag there. If really what you just said, Cody, if, if that was the plan, then someone's been misguided. Someone's been told some really, some a whole heap of bullshit because that's never going to happen. Well, the best example would be Jared Colucci. You mentioned him before. He's from that area. That's it. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Like you said, man, it was not, it's not going to happen. I can't see it happening. 
Uh, if these fans from these areas ever lose interest in football, maybe that's the only reason that they're, they're not going to come to the Wanderers games. If they're on board, they're definitely not changing teams. Yeah. And very last one from me this time. Uh, when you come into the league and obviously premiership in the first season and then two years later, there's the Asian Champions League win, which is unbelievable. Um, you know, Sydney FC and Sydney FC fans around this time, I don't know if you've got any friends who are Sydney FC fans and you talk to anyone around the club, but, you know, did what was the feeling around then? Because obviously we know it's such a heated rivalry and it's probably arguably a bigger derby than the Melbourne derby. So, you know, what, what, how did that relationship kind of and that rivalry really build in those first few years, do you think? No, no. I reckon there was a, there was a tension there already before Wanderers was even a, a name. It was already there because I'll admit it. I'll say it. I'll say it. I went one season to um, Sydney FC games, and there used to be a pocket of supporters on the other side of the other side of the um, field, and um, I was in the. I think I was in the cove for one game, and I saw that pocket of fans on the other side. And then when I went over there to go see, because these guys were much rowdier. That Sim City banana? Yeah, yeah. This, this was just like, it was a different atmosphere. Like from where I was standing and where I saw and then where I went. And to notice that when I and when I got there, I realised this is, I know all these guys. They're all fucking, they're from area. Yeah, they're out west, you know? And um, that's where it kind of started there because we were, we were doing stuff that they weren't doing. We were... We were bloody throwing shit. We were arguing with throwing shit at police and stuff. We were doing stuff that these guys wouldn't do. These guys. So do you think? Very, do you think the uh, Wanderers? Do, do you think the Wanderers took fans from Sydney FC when they came on board? Oh, you could say so. You could say so. But then again, in like in reality, did, did we really? Did we? Because they still got the same average crowds. We got mm. our crowds. Mm. But um, yeah. So that started, I'll say that war started from there because we were different to them. They didn't much like us. We didn't like them. We went there for that one season. We pissed off. They played, eventually ended up playing the game Parramatta. That's when we rocked up. Other side of the ground. We were there. So that's where, that's where Western Sydney started for me there. Before it even was a name. So I think not long after that, they threw in the, threw in the, um, the name Sporting Rovers and we got all hyped up. And that I went to, went to shit, and then along came Western Sydney Wanderers, and here we are today. Just out of curiosity, curiosity. Um, in the Fairfield Liverpool area, actually, there is a amateur club named Sporting Rovers. Is that kind of where it came about? Because I didn't know. Not, not too no, sure. I, not too sure. I, I'm not too sure, dude. I don't think so. I don't know how long the Sporting Rovers have been around. So my son's going to play there next year. So well, Kev, Kev, Kev is, runs that club, doesn't he? So it's something we can ask him uh, tomorrow night on our podcast. But yeah. um, Christian, just wanted to ask you, I mean, to tell you, because, you know, when Sydney FC was just the one team in Sydney, no mm. one west of Strathfield really connected with Sydney FC. Obviously, you do have some Sydney FC fans out west and they support Sydney FC. But if you were to go to Penrith, for example, or Blacktown even, mm. and you were asked them, do you support Sydney FC? Oh, do you like football? Yes. Do you watch the A-League sometimes? Do you like Sydney FC? Not really. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's a really FC, untapped area. Yeah. 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 I want to emphasize something with you now. You know, people can sit on here and say, oh, I'm a big 
some of our fans were ex Sydney. I can tell you, I can tell you, I lived in Sydney for a couple of years when I was really little, but uh, I don't understand all the demographics and stuff. So <laughs> having, I'm, at, I'm surrounded by four people from New South Wales. I'm getting a real nice low down here. It's good. No, it's, it's good. <laughs> now you got to understand, uh, football fans love the sport, love the game. We've got all this passion within ourselves, right? And we just want to go out there and, and let let the passion out. Now, there's only, the problem is there's only one club in Sydney. Mm. So a lot of these fans, a lot of the West Sydney fans who used to support Sydney FC, they had no other option. It's like putting a television in front of you with one channel. You've got nothing else to watch, right? So a lot of these fans, because of the lack of options, and it's a failure, I believe it's a failure of the league for not having a Western Sydney in, in, in the inaugural season. Um and not having our club start at the same time with the mate, the other clubs, obviously is a failure of the league. Um, I think it was way too delayed to come in much earlier, but these fans had nothing else, no other product to kind of support. So we can sit here and, you know, the Sydney FC ba- fans can bag, bag the ex, you know, these Wanderers fans all they want, but the reality is there's no options. And as soon as the Western Sydney Wanderers was founded, the connection was there and it's like, wait a second, this is what we wanted. This is what we needed. Um, obviously, the, the, the Cove is very English-influenced, whereas a lot of the, the demographic of Western Sydney, we're very Euro-based. Mm. So we're coming, you know, I'm Turkish, bananas, Bosnian, there's a lot of, you know, Serbs, Crows. So there was not really any a connection in terms of the English influence of the Cove. And South America and South America okay, as well. Absolutely. So like Banana said, that, that's where there was a bit of a split uh, with the Sin City group and the Co, because the Sin City was made up of, obviously, you know, uh, the Euro and South American um, nationalities, whereas the Co is more English. But as mm. soon as the Wanderers was, was founded, mate, it just felt like it was it. I never supported Sydney FC. I went to one game in my life. I said, this is not for me. So I sat it out. And when I, when I first got a bit of, a uh, bit of a noise in terms of the, a club, startup club in Western Sydney. I jumped on board straight away because I knew that's what we needed. And um, yeah, the rest is history, guys. Mm. Funny thing is, when the A League was forming and they were trying to work out where the different licenses were, licenses were going to go, when that Sydney club was being introduced, I'm pretty, I'm ninety percent sure. I've read this somewhere recently, actually. They were actually meant to be based in Parramatta. It wasn't until the people that were running the league and getting it started up actually said, no, we want to use the big stadium in Sydney when you set up um, having played at Allianz like yeah. and Glamour. They didn't yeah. want to do it in Parramatta. So there's, say, history went a different way. Sydney FC could have genuinely harnessed the passion and desire for football in Western Sydney, but someone in a boardroom decided, no, we want the Glitz and Glamour stadiums instead. There you go. Maybe I've never heard that that before. Yeah, it's the first time hearing that. There you go. That's really interesting, um, Cody, that you brought that up. That's news to me. And it's funny that if that was to happen, then you'd see the reverse happening where maybe, you know, fans out from the East jump on board. And then obviously once the club was made out there, they probably would have jumped, you know, closer to home. I'm just wondering if that was JT in that boardroom, but no. At the start of this podcast, we asked if we're allowed to swear, so I'm going to use that opportunity to say, fuck JT. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. There's All no right. censorship here. Ian, you've got, <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to ask the boys a question because you've got a, a, a personal experience that's, uh, that's I'm sure they're going to love. 
Well, no, I was at the ACL final between West Sydney Wanderers and Alcala when I finished 1-0. Anyway, um, picked up some memorabilia. So, guys, do you know this uh, small club from Saudi Arabia? Do you know it? Uh, or... Small club, yeah, small club. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what the fight is? Where's the, the prince was... throwing his hat? Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, I'll do a, uh, the interview like the Romanian guy. Uh, he was the Romanian coach. He's like, I believe that we will win. Like, you know, that's what he said after <laughs> the press conference in Sydney. And yeah, look, it was just special. But who would have known that I got this, wait, 2014, so about eight years ago. And just recently, uh, a bit off topic, but I was just on a Polish, because I'm Polish and doing the World Cup preview. And I just got invited to talk about Saudi football. So I don't know how, like, you know what I mean? Like some correlation from this ACL <laughs> victory to now talking about Saudi Arabia on the World Cup. So, but right. when you look back onto the memories, I think yesterday was eight years ago and that ACL mm. victory was just... Saw that pop, uh, in my, pop up in my uh, feed yesterday, the Tommy Yurich goal yeah. from the first yeah, it's leg. Just, yeah, it, it's just... And that, that was, I think, a special period for Oz football. Not, I mean, Wanderers, two Wanderers players, Tommy Yurich and Matthew Spiranovic, Asian champions, both club and continent. It's just... You couldn't, you couldn't be a, a, any better with that. Yeah, it's just... It's, yeah. Been, it's been, what, eight years and I, I still can't believe it. That that feat was achieved. Actually, you know, it, it brings up an interesting point Ian, Ian raised there and I don't want to go too negative on anything, but he, he mentioned the 2014, 2015 because that actually felt like really the peak kind of where the A-League was starting to actually really peak and it was like, oh, wow, you know, we've got, we've got active support. We've got good quality on the pitch. We've got some good marquees, this, that, and the other. It was all coming together. Now... There was, of course, the infamous article published by by Rebecca Wilson. Now, this was in 2016, the, the whole name and shame thing, which personally I think was was absolutely disgusting. Um, and just not to go off topic, but I mean, how, how much did that potentially, you know, maybe rock the the, the Wanderers and, and the fan base a little bit when, when that came about? Because just, just interested to get your thoughts on that. That's a, that's a mm. battle maybe Banana wants to talk about. We, we we went to battle with Rebecca. We really did. Mm. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, that that thing we we got uh, we got a heads up on that. We got a heads up on that maybe two weeks prior to that. Mm. And we let we gave the club. I'm pretty sure we gave the club and the FFA heads up to let them know to not publish that. Mm. Uh, I think the FFA and the club just turned the blind eye on us, and that fucking that storm just hit. And I, I don't know, was it was it bad for the A League? Was it good? I don't know. Any news is good news. So it's not the best news, but you know, got people talking, but not in the best way. Yeah. It's a fragile area because obviously Rebecca's not with us anymore. So um it's tough to kind of talk in regards of yeah. intentions yeah. and what she was trying to achieve with that article. Um, but yeah, it was really for me. It was a tough, you know, for the RBB. It was a tough period because um, we copped a lot of hate because of it, and there was obviously extra attention on us. And um, it was a battle, obviously, with our banners and all that. That you know, we had to obviously overcome. And um, yeah, it took a hit on us. I think it took a toll. And uh, but eventually, we kind of obviously regathered ourselves, and, and the show just went on. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, fuck. Did not mean to uh, to go down a bit of a bit of yeah, a bit of a bit of a fragile area. Yeah, you know it is. But it I can see it say fuck JT because JT is alive, obviously. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> no, it is something that I have. You know, I, I think about every now and then because you know you, you compare obviously wondrous crowds back then to the wondrous crowds now and this sort of thing and even active support around the league and and that and you just think about it and you think I wonder how much impact that that event sort of happened. Um, 
or had um, on on things. But um, anyway, that that's all from me, uh, Cody. Ian, any any questions for the boys before just, before uh, just to touch go? on just to touch on yeah. what you were saying, just a bit mm. what affected us. I, I'm pretty. It was mainly stuff that was affecting this league was um, it, it was the over policing, the security, mm. the um, the the security that uh, that uh, keep tabs on terrorists were tracking supporters going to mm. a game. That was a problem too, you know what I mean? Following people home to their houses, spying on them. That took a toll on people. That's what got people to turn off from the game, not to show up anymore. Yeah, it's interesting you, you mention I mean? that because I know like when, you know, when Adelaide United played Melbourne Victory here, obviously Melbourne Victory, they, they travel very well and, and we've got, you know, police horses and stuff down here and whatever. But I remember going to some games, you know, a few years ago and it'd be like, you know, Adelaide United and, and Melbourne City and you've got like, you know, massive police horses. That it's like, guys, you know, there's really not going to be like a real issue here where you're going to have to use a horse. I, well, I don't think so anyway, you know. Mm. Christian, I see firsthand, I see firsthand during that period police initiate at full time um, uh, scuffles and all that. I seen it firsthand where they started a lot of stuff. I feel like it was because they wanted to warrant their presence and uh, it was just an over-governance and I think they wanted to come in there and say, where the boss is here now? And I think that was completely unnecessary. Um, There was a lot of obviously you know, back and forth instance behind the scenes, not, not inside the stadium, but outside stadiums at the exit gates and stuff like that. And, and I think fans just eventually got sick of it. And I think that was when Hadamoto came in as well. Um, and they're still around, whether they have, you know, the same influence they had back then, I don't know, but um, it was an over-governance uh, that was unnecessary. And I think that stemmed from the article that was written by Rebecca Wilson. It, it sounds ridiculous when you when you when you hear it. Like you're saying, what are you talking about? You got secret security services following a normal supporter around. You know, it's, it's, you wouldn't believe it until you, you actually witness it in front of you happen. Like mm. guys hanging off roofs, spying with cameras, taking photos of you, and then later on you see these like they come to you and they drop a folder in front of you and they have word by word of your text messages and your photos and Crazy, crazy to think that that people get swooped on for going to a game to support a team. Honestly, guys, I, I hate to say it, but we were probably treated like a terrorist organization. We really were. Our phones were all tapped. Everything was tapped. Or you know, it was twenty-four hour monitor monitoring of of our every move, um, and we were just followed. And they they wanted us to feel that that um that their presence. They wanted us to know that they were breathing down our necks and make us uncomfortable and it was just a complete overreaction guys um we just wanted to go there and just watch you know support the team so it was a really tough period guys and i, I can admit that first yeah. first had yeah. experience it's crazy yeah. i mean i'm gonna go on a bit of a tangent with this as well because i've been going to football games for what, 10 15 years i've maybe seen one incident firsthand that's been right in front of me nothing too serious. The guy just got a bit drunk, started arguing with someone else. Within two seconds, security grabbed him, pulled him out. Fair enough. That's in 15 years of following football. My mum and my sister went to the NRL grand final. They had um only game they've been to all year. I think it's the only game they've been to in a couple of years because Paramount fans are only coming out of the woodwork when 
there in the grand final doing well. Time, yeah, <laughs> um, but where they were sitting, they had sort of a similar incident. Incident, no, sorry. Um, where there was a guy that was off his head drunk, looked like he came into the stadium drunk, was abusing players on the field and people around him for 40, 50 minutes before it took my mum to go to a security guard point the person out and say, we need to get rid of this guy because he's ruining experience for everyone before mm. they grabbed him and pulled him out. Mm. So you see there and think, okay, you're going to one NRL game. You're dealing with that. No cops doing anything whatsoever. You've seen footage of people at the state of origin getting into punch-ups in front of kids where it takes 40, 50 seconds, maybe even longer for security to get on top of it. And then you hear about those stories that you go through just for simply following the team because it's not considered the norm in Australia where we don't have a culture where we know how to deal with people that are probably considered ultras or that kind of, I don't want to use the word hooligan. Yeah, they, their one, their one is called um, overpassionate. Our one's called hooliganism. So, yeah, make what you want of them. Mm. Exactly. And it's it's disappointing. You've got to look at the politics of it as well. Now, you got to, if you really want to go deep into it, you got to see who was Rebecca Wilson writing for? Who owned that, that obviously, that media group? Now, did that media group have investments in other sport codes? So it gets really deep. So I don't think it was a it was a it was a battle to, to, to shut us down. I think it was a it was more so. All right, the Wanderers are giving a bit of traction. The league is growing. How do we shut them up? Which will eventually stop the momentum of the league growing. So you got to look at the agenda behind that massive overkill of you know. Uh, over governance that that first that, that season that that article came out. I think there was different intentions. I think they they seen that the A League was growing and it was an opportunity to shut them down. I think they mm. identified the Wanderers and the fan base as being the major uh, players in the growth of the league, um, coming off a you know successful couple seasons there. And I think they wanted to put a put a complete hold on that. And that's where I think that's what the intentions were really. It wasn't trying to stop the trouble, mate. There was no trouble, right? There was absolutely. I went. I went to how many games? I said I went to one game of rugby league, the Anzac Test, the Anzac game between the Roosters and the Dragons. My family friend uh, asked me to come along. I seen more issues in that one game than I'd seen at the Wanderers games, honestly. So then you question, then what is the agenda behind that 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 whole period there of um, of that clampdown on us? But it's interesting because you see with other codes where the NBL's starting to really gain some traction. They're getting some good crowds now. But those organisations that probably weren't happy with how football was growing seem to be celebrating the fact that basketball in Australia is going. They've got a successful expansion side in Tasmania that's kind of doing well. And they're kind of comparing it to where football is now and saying, oh, look, yeah, their crowds are matching it with the A-League. They're doing so well, but... That the NBL is in probably its best state it's been in since its inception. Okay. Well, one of our worst. I don't, I don't think basketball is a direct competition of of the the, the, the rugby league and rugby union. Mm. I think um, it's a sport that can jump on board alongside the major players. I don't think they're direct because it's an indoor sport. <laughs> so much tickets you can sell, so much fans you can have. Whereas you know, obviously, there's more potential growth in in, in football. So I think rugby league maybe felt a bit threatened by the growth of the A-League. And I think that's where the article started coming out and all that from the, Mur- the, the Murdoch group or whatever in the papers. But you, you know, and, you know the silliest thing I find about all this is that um, 
all this stuff like we're talking about, this this stuff is it. It, it happens. Some people say, oh, I've never seen it, but you, you've, got, you've got to be there to feel it and to see it. But um, like I'm saying, it's all stupid. Like, why would they go and do all this stuff when we don't even play in the same season as them? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's stupid. Every, every league should be booming. Every I, I hope, whatever, I don't watch the AFL. Good, they're booming. I hope the NRL booms. I hope we boom. I hope the basketball booms. I hope the whatever, cricket and whatever the fuck you want. I want everything to boom. Yeah, we've got everything. We're, we're a very lucky country. We've got so many sports. Mm. Every country, every sport, every coach should be booming, not just one specific one, you know what I mean? So bashing one all the time is takes its toll. It's, it's taken its toll on football, yeah. And we've got the facilities to accommodate what Banana's saying as well. We've got the stadiums. We've got, you know, obviously the facilities to kind of all try to uh, reach those you know, there's levels uh, where we see high numbers at our games, we see the numbers on, on television and all of that. So I still don't understand what that was all about post-Rebecca Wilson article, but uh, it was a tough period, guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, well, that uh, I reckon that was about an hour and ten, uh, and I reckon I said half an hour. So if I... They told us <laughs> half an hour, guys. Yeah. Half an hour. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, got, hey, I, I feel like we could go on... have to record tomorrow night. I yeah. feel like we're doing like a part one, part two, and part three, but um, <laughs> what is it? No, it's just we could, we could talk for ages. Yeah, yeah. series. that's right, yeah. That's but, right. Uh, I just feel like we could, like, it's, it's been oh, a really enjoyable I conversation. Believe, I always believe when you've got a group of people that love football and... Um, no, you could talk all day. You could talk all day, mate. You just, you know, you, you'll go from EPL to A-League, from this yep. play to that play. We could just talk all day. Um, but yeah, guys, thanks for having us on board. You're the first, I think, first... Um, group of um, you know guys that we've actually gone and uh, spent some time with chatting about football. It's been a pleasure. Um, I hope we can do oh, we've it. Been, again. We've been on Borges one. Borges was the first one. This was the second one. This is a good one too. Uh, who I was think that? You, were, you, went, you went around for that uh, one. Nah, but now nah, you got to understand they're, they're our friends. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They're, they're our friends. Outside, they're yeah, friends. Outside. You drove down I the road. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is the first proper you know group of. Guys, we've had a chat with, and it's been a pleasure, guys. And we look forward to doing it again. Hopefully, we've answered all your questions. Um, if anyone's hearing about us for the first time through this, obviously this um, this channel, please jump on board, follow, like our page, and um, I'm sure you'll. If a true football fans will really get a get a true good feeling about what we're trying to achieve here on our channel. So that's get uh, laugh RBTV. Out of us if you want, bro. Yeah. You got RBTV on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. the ones. There Everyone's hitting us, up, hitting us up about TikTok. I'm not sure about TikTok. <laughs> I don't think we're going to do dance moves on there and shit. Uh, <laughs> with that, but not I'm holding the microphone, but not like doing some dance moves. Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm just going to say something. A lot of people have come up to us and say, well, you can make some coin out of this. You've got a bit of momentum, whether that's through TikTok, mm. whether that's through gifting, whether that's through merch. We're not here for that, guys. We're mm. not here to make money. Uh, we're not here for all that. We, we're, people are asking us for t-shirts <laughs> for the last two years. We're not about that. Maybe one day we will and maybe invest that into new equipment to upgrade our channel. But uh, we're just here to give content to true football fans, whether they support the Wanderers, Victory, FC, whoever it is. Um, and hopefully we're accommodating that. I tell you, I like the RBTV cap the bananas got on. Might cop one you of those. Look at that, huh? Custom made. Custom made. Is it? Uh, is it? Uh, it's blue. My, 
my um, my last word because uh, I watched uh, Boz's video uh, when he did the when he did the interview, not when asking the questions, when he answered, and it was against the I think it was the MacArthur game, and uh, Boz was talking about <laughs> you burned your hand, you burn your hand once, that's cool, that's an accident. You burn your hand again. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, man, just, we're going through such a rough period where you know you make all these. Who is that? Who is that? Who are you talking about? That was an analogy for something, was it? Uh, Carl Robinson. It was Carl Robinson. And uh, it was just about formations or something. And was yeah, like, yeah. you you burn your hand once, fair enough, accident, we move on. <laughs> but a yeah. second time, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Guys, you gotta understand. You know, we make sacrifices to go to these games, and at one point during that, you know, the Robert, uh, the the what was his name, man? Uh, Carl Robinson. Robinson. Sorry, Carl Robinson. There was a period there. You just rock up to games. You knew you were gonna lose. <laughs> we lost, and you just feel like an absolute fucking idiot rocking up because you know you've. Your missus is asking you to spend time with her. You've got friends you haven't seen in a long time, and here you are at Paramount Stadium watching garbage, to be honest. Mm. Um, so I did feel like an idiot. Uh, we we felt like idiots for most parts. I know Banana just mentioned in the last podcast, he came home from a Newcastle game and he's, he lied down in bed and he just looked at the city and said, what the fuck are we doing? What's happened to our club? <laughs> you know, so guys, when you go through a long period of no success, you start questioning you know, your, your loyalty and whether... It's all worth it. But uh, thankfully, we're, we're seeing things turn around. And um, I think our efforts and our loyalty to stand by the club, we're finally seeing the fruits of that now. Absolutely. All right, guys, uh, we will let you go this time. And uh, yeah, all the best with it, with the channel. And uh, hopefully, the Wanderers can keep it up for, for your sake as well. Off to a great start with the new season too. Um, anyway, we are going to go to a quick break. And when we return, we're going to talk a little bit about the Women's World Cup draw. See ya, boys. See you guys. Thanks for having us. Okay, so we're just going to finish off this podcast by reacting a little bit to the Women's World Cup draw that took place recently. And I'm just going to be joined by our... Look, he's not officially called the FPF Women's Football Correspondent, but I mean, you know, I, I, I can call him that, I think. Um, so, Cody Ajada. The, I should take the all the credit. Matt Olson does a lot of good work with the women's football. Too. Matt Olson does do a lot of good work with the women's football. You're right. You're right about that. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think you've got. I think you've got a greater obsession with the women's game. So I think. I think that's what probably gives you the tick there. But anyway, Matilda's group. I call it passion. Mate. Passion, passion, passion. Yeah, yeah. That's probably a better word to use. Hey. Anyway, Matilda's group: Ireland, Canada, and Nigeria. What do we make of that? Reactions. It's interesting. A lot of people, I think, are looking at a lot nervous, more with a lot more nerves than what I think they should. Mm. I personally think it's definitely a simple group to get out of, and definitely a winnable group. Um, Canada, honestly, I look at the games we played against them. I understand we lost to them twice, but when we were playing at our best, we were all over, and we probably should have won that second game. Mm. The first game we played, we weren't really in the fight. It wasn't because of anything Canada were doing. We were just kind of our own worst enemies, and kind of comes back to the whole conversation about is Tony the right man to lead the squad? Is he getting his tactics correct? Let's put that conversation aside for a sec. <laughs> when we're at our best, I genuinely believe we can beat Canada. And mm. that's not a place of arrogance. That's not a place of bias. That's a genuine opinion that I have. Yeah, I think you've got to be careful with these drawers because a lot of people like to react in the moment around how, well, let's have a look at how 
these four teams are right now and then project that that's how it's going to be in by the time this World Cup rolls around. But, you know, we've got 12 months until this World Cup rolls around, right? So, you know, it's... Um, or, yeah, it's it, there's, there's going to be... Uh, there's a lot of football to play with right now and then. Yeah, there's, exactly. There's a lot of football to be played. There's a lot of new players to be tested in friendlies, whatnot. And, you know, it's it's just too early to make these sorts of predictions, I think. Um, but I think we could all agree it's a, it's a group that we should progress from. Now, whether that's in first or second is a different story. Yeah, look, I think, as we were just talking about a bit off air, where we should probably start to be concerned is when we do get out of that group because mm. no matter which way we look at it, we come first or second, we're going to be playing someone out of Group D, and Group D is a very, very good group. Mm. We're talking um, English, not English champions, um, European champions, England, mm. Denmark, who, although did they get knocked out in the group stages in the Euros, any European side to play against, maybe by the ones that are ranked 20-plus in the world, are going to be a quality side in Denmark. They do have some quality players. They've got that Pernil Harder from Chelsea. Mm. They're going to be, if we have to play against them, they're going to be a tough us. I know we did beat them before recently, but that will still be a tough game. At the end of the day, we did have to come back from behind. Yeah, but Tony's got that Tony's got that Scandinavian knowledge, though. Don't don't rule that out. Oh, of course. And I think the fact that we did beat them the last time we played against them does show a level of progression under him because it was only 18 months ago, maybe a little bit more, where we did lose to him. And it was almost ugly. We were down 3 0. Like we had a late fight back, whereas this time we were able to get ourselves back into the game to at a point where we could still win it. But even looking outside those two European sides, China just won the Asian Cup, which Australia was heavily expected to win. Mm. And then you're talking about the playoff winner, which looking at that Group B route in the playoffs will, in my opinion, most likely be Chile. Chile is going to be a good side. We've lost to Chile before, we've also beaten Chile. But it's not going to be a pushover game. I think that's probably where my biggest concern from the draw comes from, not necessarily the group that we've been drawn in ourselves. Just on our group as well, Nigeria, what, what do you know of them and what potential threat could they pose to the Matildas based on, you know, as of right now? Well, that's interesting. I, I think that's the beauty of the kind of World Cup because there, you do get to play against sides that are relative unknowns. But all that I can expect from them is a similar setup, similar structure, or at least similar ability to what South Africa was. Mm. We've played against them recently. South Africa are the current champions of Africa. Yeah. Um, first time they did that in their history, if I remember correctly. Please don't quote me on that. Um, Mate, but... you're on a podcast, you get automatically quoted. <laughs> um, 90% sure that was their first um, triumph, a consensus triumph in the women's in their yeah. history. But um, the only thing with them, they are higher ranked than South Africa. So they probably will be similar levels. So not someone that should cause us any problems, but saying that it doesn't matter World Cup, sometimes you never know. But looking at it purely objectively, take the emotion out of it, it should be a winnable game for us. Like, like I said, this group shouldn't be one that we look at and go, oh, yeah, we're going to struggle to get out of it. Because one, mm. we have some of the best footballers in the world. I know. I think we do downplay. Well, I think the level I think right now what's happening is, is everyone based on, you know, Asian Cup result, start of the year and, and some other friendly results that have occurred, is everyone's viewing the Matildas in a in the light of, oh, God, you know, we're not at our best and that means sides, you know, they can upset us and they can get at us and, and all this sort of thing. Whereas we've got, to, like I said, 12 months down the line, the Matildas could be in a much different shape. Maybe Tony's got his ideas across much better, that the team's more settled. We've seen some new players come in, um, some ones who have been underforming, maybe they're out, you know, who knows. Uh, uh, and definitely just, under- Performing players that 
probably yeah. shouldn't be there. There's, mm. And I do question some of the choices Tony's made with personnel and mm. not to point fingers, but you take someone like Larissa Kummer, for example, where she definitely has the potential to be a Matilda, but she you got to remember she's come off a very, very big injury. Yeah. The last year was almost just basically her reintroduction to top flight football. And in my opinion, at least, I don't think she's still at the level yet to where she was pre-injury. So why she has just been given the spot straight into Matilda's side, I, I'd question that a little bit, especially when you've got someone in a similar position like just into Galabadachi, who probably you, you've been you, you you really have been rallying for Jacinta. You, uh, you, I've, yeah. I've done it on a podcast before. I've ranted heavily about this, and I'm not yeah. going to go into that kind of level of emotion again. I'm going to I'm going to tone it down a little bit. But even looking at it analytically, I understand she's not playing at probably the same high level that some of her other Matildas are, but mm. she's been that dominant at the level that she's playing at. And probably the biggest criticism anyone could say about her in recent years was she's probably not getting enough end product. Like she's a brilliant person on the ball. Got a couple of um, nice little tricks and flicks under her sleeve. But this season, she's added goals to her game. She's got uh, some, like she's played, I think it's like 11 goals in seven games last time I saw. Mm. Like it's a ridiculous number. And it does come from the fact that Celtic are so dominant in their competition. But when you've got a player performing at that level, I do question why she hasn't been given a go yet ahead of and some people that probably are in there based on prior reputation rather than current performance are. Yeah, interesting. And last thing on the Matildas, what do you make of, because there, there does seem to be a, a heavy burden on Sam Kerr in this team to to basically score all the goals, but you've got Caitlin Ford's been terrific for Arsenal. They're, they're doing very well in the in WSL and you know she's just playing pretty much every game. That does seem to be a feeling that if Caitlin Ford can kind of be the yin to Sam Kerr's yang, I guess, and take some of that goal-scoring pressure off her, then that might help the Matildas um, take another step forward as well. Um, I'm going to just do another quick plug on Jacinta. Jacinta's actually our top scorer. <laughs> I, I, I don't even have to fucking mention her name and, and somehow Jacinta just, get, just gets mentioned. No, on the I'm telling you, all you need to do is watch. I, yeah. Anyone that's listening to this podcast. Mm. All you no, need I agree, to I agree. Look, she, yeah, she, some and of her speak. achievements abroad have been really well recognised abroad. Yet, some for some weird reason, as you're saying, she hasn't been capped yet. She hasn't really been spoken about in in Australia as a potential, you know, uh, inclusion in in a, in a Matilda squad. So yeah, and and that's it's I don't know that's strange, but enough about her. I just wanted to make a quick <laughs> point there. But um, you look at the attackers we do have. You have got Sam Kerr, who's obviously going to be no matter how you set up, she's obviously going to be the focal point of our team. But she does so well at Chelsea because I think it is a system that's not designed around just getting the ball to Sam Kerr and, score, and getting her to score the goals. There's a number of quality players that can be a difference in the match in, in that Chelsea squad. And Sam Kerr is just another strength to their boat. But because it's a, it's a proper system, she's able to flourish because she's just a very good player in that system. Whereas when she comes to us, even though we have players, it's not like we have her who's playing in, the, in England who's a step clear cut above everyone else and the whole rest of the squad is just playing like A-League football. We have we could almost put out a whole starting exile of players that are playing in the women, in the women's super league. So why there is such a heavy reliance on Sam Kerr, I don't know. Because you mentioned Caitlin Ford before. Caitlin Ford scoring goals this year. Caitlin Ford is a fantastic winger. Then you add players like Haley Rasso. Haley Rasso also scored in that um FA Cup final against Chelsea. And that was a bloody good finish as well. And not just that, she's a fantastic player. She offers something a little bit different, a little bit more of um energetic player, maybe not so skillful, but 
definitely add something to our team. That's not even taking into account Kai Simon, who won't be able to feature in the lead up to the World Cup due to an ACL injury. Yeah, yeah. But we have the players there. And you even look behind them, you have Tamika Yallop and Emily Van Egwon, who have experience in the competition. Claire Wheel is currently there. Um, Katrina Gori is playing in the Damal Scun, who I really hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, no, I think you have, yeah. That's good. Yeah. And I know for maybe the common football fan, um, people don't necessarily see Sweden as a strong league just in terms of general football, but mm. women's football. It's strong. The yeah. top light is one of the biggest competitions in yeah. Europe, one of the strongest competitions in Europe. And we have um, Tegan Micah there as well, um, Claire Polkinghorn. We've got players playing in the top leagues in the world. So yeah. why we sit there and go, we need to have this reliance on Sam Kerr. We need to make her the focal point. Our whole game is going to be designed around trying to get the ball to her. And then we don't have them getting the water anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just there's a lot more that we can unlock out of the Matildas, and I really hope we do that in the lead-up to the World Cup. But I think the quicker we stop relying on Sam Kerr, it'll be better for the Matildas, and I think it'll be better for Sam Kerr as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just touching on some other groups. So you've got Group E, looks like an interesting one, the USA. They are with Netherlands and Vietnam. And... That's a massive thing there. you got... Yeah, Vietnam, who is probably an up-and-coming nation in mm. uh, women's football, and even in football in general, their men's side's definitely start making definitely improving. Yep. yep, that um playoff winner will either be Cameroon, Thailand, or Portugal. Portugal, some that the Matildas played um in mm. recent times. It's, they're probably a nation that a European nation that probably hasn't invested as much in women's football as what you'd expect. Mm. But they've definitely risen in recent years. They've um, yep. the first time Matildas played against them. Um, in the last five years or so, they were 38th in the world. The last time I played against them, they 30th. They're on a little rise themselves. Be yep. interesting to see if they make the World Cup. But then you've got, you've got to remember, USA and Netherlands, that was last the last edition's grand final. That's right. Yeah. So, it's all so good. there you go. Grand final yeah. rematch. Um, and then you've got another two heavyweights in Group F. That's the next group with France and Brazil. That's going to be very interesting when those two face I mean, off. Catch me and what's that? Catch me that game. That'll be uh, Saturday night in Brisbane. I can't think of a better way to spend a Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, but you're right. And yeah, also, so Alan Stadic, maybe just uh, touch on him. Very interesting that the Philippines have been drawn into Group A, of course, with one of the co-hosts, New Zealand as well. So, I mean, Stadic, he's probably going to be really being shown on a shown on a pretty big audience if they potentially, obviously, when they play uh, New Zealand as well. So it's going to be a real chance for him to, I mean, he's just done a fantastic job with that team anyway to to do what he's done and to qualify for this World Cup. but. Uh, for him to maybe, who knows, somehow scrape a, scrape a second place or something and get this team through to the See, round 16 would be unbelievable. It's it's interesting to think about because, and this might be my Australian-Asian bias kind of coming yeah. in, that's a group that they'd look at and go, you, that we have a chance of getting out of this. Mm. Um, Norway will be the main heavyweight in that group. They've got a great side. Um, but then you look between Switzerland, another one like Portugal, where they're still probably starting to make their strides yeah. in women's football. They haven't really hit the highest they can yet. Um, a lot of those European nations will probably kind of be like sleeping giants. But um, And then New Zealand, who I think the only expected, well, not the only expected, the biggest expected that they'll have is they're playing on home soil. But That's right. you look at general quality, I don't think the Philippines are any better or worse than a New Zealand or Switzerland. I think Norway's probably the standout team in that group and they'll look at that and think we should finish first. But those other three nations will all realistically look at that group and think, yeah, we have a chance of getting out of this. and. Stasic will be letting his girls know that too. Yeah, absolutely. I hope he does well, to be honest. I'd love to see the Philippines qualify out of that group. And uh, anyway, in terms of 
Yeah, it'd be an incredible story. And in terms of the Matildas' route in the tournament, look, again, speculation, still very early, but if they are to finish second um, behind, say, Canada, and they would play the runner... So the runner-up in Group B, the Matildas group, would play the winner of Group D, who most likely would be England. And that would be just an unbelievable round of 16 tie, to be honest. I mean, you'd imagine the pull massive crowd as well. And... If we are to win the group, we'd play the runners-up in that group who could be, let's say, China. So, I mean, either way, we know about the Chinese, the Chinese, um, you know, uh, population that we have here in Australia as well. So, either way, you know, the Matildas could be could be facing a massive round of 16 tie in terms of crowd numbers there as well. Um, finally, as well, just for, because I'm here in SA and just for some of our SA listeners as well, just a recap of the teams that you can catch here at Cooper Stadium. You've got England, Brazil, Korea, China, and Morocco are definitely going to be here playing at uh, Cooper Stadium. And then there'll be two more from the from the playoffs as well. So, yeah, it should be very fascinating to see those. That, um, yeah. England and China game, I think for South Australians and Adelaide, the England-China game will probably be the biggest yeah. one that is yeah. in the state you're talking. And I mean, I mean that's, that's Asian champions. Yeah, well, that, that is want? interesting because you've got... Yeah, a lot's been made. Obviously, Cooper Stadium is a smaller stadium that is going to be is going to be used for this for this tournament. And of course, there's going to be it has well, it, it looks like it's only a couple of weeks away from being finished the renovations at Cooper Stadium. So it should hopefully see it around twenty thousand odd. But I mean, for England and China, that that's going to be a hundred percent sellout. You'd imagine. Um, well, I can imagine not even just people in Australia that have that English background and want to follow the girls around here. Considering the success of women's football and the England women's national team have had recently, you'd expect a large group of people to be coming over from there as well. Mm. And China, China do tend to correct me if I'm wrong. Can't remember what their crowds were like during the Asian Cup for the men's a few years back. But oh yeah, no, they were good. Yeah, yeah. I, I was so I was at that game when we had the Asian Cup here in the men's uh, 2015. The, the Tim Cale bicycle at Suncorp, and I mean that was yeah. The, I was really amazed actually by the Chinese support. Excuse me. That um, that was at that game. So yeah, look, they, they'll uh, they don't care either. They'll travel. You know, they'll they'll come down. Women's women's World Cup, men's World Cup. Who cares? Uh, and they'll be there in numbers. Anyway, Cody, anything like, else? Sorry, yes. What you'd want as well. Like at the end of the day, wins football, men's football. The way I see mm. it, it's football. Like yeah, yeah, absolutely. There shouldn't really be a difference. I understand. No. Yeah, look, it may not be as physical, it may not be as strong, but you watch these girls play. The technical standard is the same, and I think a lot. It's going to be exposed to a lot of people that maybe are underestimating. How and a lot of these teams are going to get better in twelve months. You know, there's, there's, yeah. So and and you know, you mentioned like the Portugal's and the Switzerland's there. Well, you know, I know you're saying maybe that they haven't invested yet, but maybe they, maybe they are investing a little bit, but we just haven't seen the fruits of that yet. So, you know, well, let's, there's going to be yeah. opportunities. I think there's roughly six to eight games um, available to play between now and the World Cup. So, I think we'll, yeah, definitely we'll be keeping an eye on. How all 32 teams, or 29 at the moment, are going to be going in those games just to see what their remnants of World Cup's like. Absolutely. All right. That's going to conclude it for this edition of the Front Page Football Podcast. Uh, once again, a massive thank you to RBTV, Boz and Banana. Absolutely fascinating insight into, into what they've been doing with that fan channel and also their involvement around the club and, and really bringing that club back to its glory days. Fantastic interview. Really great to have them on. And uh, Cody... Thank you for uh, for your uh, time with me this evening. Fantastic. Anytime, Matt.
All right, no worries. Also, should mention because I actually I fucking didn't actually mention him when we came back to this podcast, but Ian actually did leave. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 he had to go. Um, so if anyone was just listening and was like, "What the fuck happened there?" Like, you know, Ian's just dropped out. He, he did have to go. So, um, you know, but thank you for his time as well on this podcast this evening. Anyway, uh, that's all from us, and uh, yeah, you can listen to us in the next one soon.